This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. If they put their face out there, we're allowed to comment on it. That's right, it's public domain and I want to publicly shit on it. My name's Anthony Padilla, and I spent a day with Nia Chu to uncover the truth about how streaming and secret as a teenager has resulted in amassing over 3 million followers and a career she didn't even know she wanted. She'll address the loaded rumors that forced her to hide a meaningful friendship from the public. And she'll reveal, for the first time ever, the shocking and traumatic events that unfolded in her childhood and why she's never spoken about them before. Hello, Nikki! When I first posted that I was gonna have you on, so many people brought up how many countries you've lived in, how many languages that you speak. <laughs> I lived in six countries. I speak three languages. English, uh -huh. Deutsch, uh -huh. and Espanol. Why did you move around so often? A lot of the uh -huh. times it was my mom. She also can't stay in one place for a very long time, mm. so she has to move around a lot. And she a lot of times moves with her boyfriends or her husbands, and she gets different boyfriends and different husbands from different areas. Just collect one from every country? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. What was your childhood like? Yeah. Never had much stability mm -hmm. in my childhood. When I was six, I got kidnapped, and I stayed in Spain for three years because of that. Have you ever talked about that before? No. I haven't talked about it. Well, I, I've talked about it in therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The words have come out of your mouth before. Yeah. But not, no, not, not in front of a camera. Not in front of a camera. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. Mm. As much as, like, it's a part of me and mm. it shaped me. Mm. I don't want it to be, that's the girl that got kidnapped. It was from year six to nine. We were vacationing in Spain. It was by my mom's ex-husband. He was already the ex-husband from my mom. My mom didn't know where we were for the first year and a half. Has she told you what she, what her reaction was immediately? She had to obviously go back to Germany without knowing where her children were. So she was completely lost. So she tried to look for us everywhere because she then found out where we were. Mm. Um, she tried to get to us. The way she got us back was she had a new boyfriend and he woke us up with her. She was there, but he woke us up in the middle of the night, took us into the car, into the airport, into the airplane and flew us to Austria, which is where we then stayed for a little bit. After you escaped, did, did everything go back to normal? No. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all a big blur. I went from one situation being thrown into a completely new situation mm. where I had no idea what was going to happen. My mom tried very hard to get everything back to normal, so yeah. she put us into a school. But a few weeks afterwards, it wasn't very long, he showed up in my school. Sometimes, you know, like, okay, this is, this is, gonna, this is a new chapter of my life. Yeah. You knew <laughs> um, it was happening then. When you saw him, you're yeah. like, this, things are not the same. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I remember Christmas and New Year's mm -hmm. because we were in Sweden at that point, but we didn't have any electricity. We didn't have mm -hmm. any food. We didn't have anything. Is that because but, you couldn't afford it or because you were in hiding and it, you didn't want to be off the grid? Yeah, it was more wanting to be off the grid. And I remember we didn't have a Christmas tree. We picked up twigs from the ground and <laughs> stuck them into a vase and then we with paper like cut out little, little light decorations and mm -hmm. that still is like a very good memory yeah so even in this bad situation i had really good memories and i mm. hold them like very dearly do you remember um, you know after that year and a half period of hiding what that was like did were you able to start shifting into a more stable life 
No. <laughs> not stable. That that's gonna be like a, a very big part of my life. Never <laughs> that's gonna be a theme for this video <laughs> yes. is that there's no stability. Yes, there's no stability. <laughs> we went back to Austria to where we stayed at first, but my mom very quickly spiraled into alcoholism. And I don't blame her because she was very stressed. But because of that, our home life, it was very hostile because her husband was already an alcoholic. She divorced him, we moved again, and then it was the same thing as it was before Spain, where my mom would, you know, move around, not being able to stay in one place. I kept being ripped out of my friend circle. I had to meet new friends. So at the time it was very hard for me, but now I'm thinking it, helped me to adjust to stuff like that very quickly. I can get to know people more easier, like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I actually realized that when I drove here today, because mm -hmm. I was like, I could move to the other side of the world tomorrow and it would be fine for me because I'm so used to different influences mm -hmm. and culture shocks don't really shock me anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your tumultuous childhood kind of prepared you for anything in the future. And to, to a certain degree, it, it got you uh, used to the idea that an unexpected thing could happen at any moment. What yeah. about your relationship with fear? What I do when I get scared of something is I will learn about it or I will put myself into this fear. I suffer with sleep paralysis. I've, I've, I've suffered from sleep paralysis for years. Do you think that any of that stemmed from your childhood? I mean, it sounds like you were taken possibly in your sleep. You were rescued in your sleep. It seems mm -hmm. like you're kind of on the edge of knowing anything can happen at any moment right as I'm, I'm, I'm about to fall into deep sleep. That could very much be the reason. I still wake up at every rumble or stuff in my mm. in, in my sleep. So mm. that could very much be it, yeah. Like you need to be aware. I need to be aware, mm. yeah. Is that part of why you're talking about this here? So you could face this fear of talking about this Maybe. publicly head on? I try to make people feel less alone in whatever they're going through. And that's mm. why I tell them about my experiences. Mm. But I always feel like, I'm, I'm hiding something from them because mm. I am, obviously, I, everyone is on the internet. You don't say everything. No, I mean, I've said every <laughs> single thing that's ever happened to me and everyone knows everything. Of course. <laughs> everything. Is it a part of you that you feel like people would understand you better if they, if they, if they knew? Yeah, I just never knew how to go about it. You mentioned that you were afraid of talking about it at one point? I was, yeah, because obviously that person that kidnapped me is still around. So I was very scared to have my face out there to, you know, even say that it happened because that way it brings attention to it. What makes you feel more confident and ready to talk about it now? I mean, this video will be seen by a couple handfuls of people. <laughs> the Baker's dozen at least. Yeah. Your channel has been a channel where people have been open about their experiences. Mm. And I know that people have talked about stuff like this before. Mm. So I think the audience is more ready to mm. hear things like this. Are you afraid that that person will will see this now? Or are you still afraid that it's bringing attention to it? I don't think they speak English. <laughs> okay, okay, good. So we'll, we'll keep this language only subtitled in English. Yeah. When did you first start streaming? I started streaming at 17. Mm. I was still living with my mom and her boyfriend. I had just had operations on my legs, which meant I couldn't walk for almost a year. I had just moved to Switzerland. I didn't know anyone and I couldn't go outside. So I was like, okay, well, I already play video games. I already mm. have friends online and I need something to do. Mm. Might as well 
try streaming. It was very interesting because he tried very hard to be my dad. Mm. He gave me rules, which as a teenager, I did not like at all. Mm, were you like, um, you're not my real dad? Yeah, exactly. He would turn off the internet at like, I think 10 p.m. So I got my boyfriend to bypass it and then I would stream at night just out of spite. I could have streamed them at daytime. I just want to make that clear. I was a rebellious teenager. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how many people were you streaming to at the time? Like 10. 10 yeah, I was streaming to like uh -huh. my friends, my cousin, uh -huh. and like one or two people outside of that. And then that same year, you moved out and your whole life changed. So I moved out at 17. I moved from Switzerland to Berlin. I went back to school. I started working out. I started living my own life, just trying to survive, trying to stream still because I enjoyed it. I never did it as a job. I more did it as like an escape. I was independent. I was myself. I could do whatever I wanted mm -hmm. and it was very nice. <laughs> How did you start gaining traction on Twitch? I would watch YouTube in my free time and mm -hmm. I and I stumbled across this channel called Wilbur Soot and I would watch his YouTube videos for yes. like a week. A week later, I see on Twitter the announcement Lover Host happening with Wilbur Soot. Lover Host is this streamer dating show. It's all for content. No actual dates happen. It, actual dates happen. People start dating. They have to. It's a contract oh, you have to mm, sign beforehand. Mm -hmm. You have to yeah. get married. There's one streamer and 10 participants who fight for their love. The participants are able to choose between love or host before the show though. Love means they go on a date afterwards and date <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> on a date afterwards. And host means that the channel is being streamed on is going to host the other person. So all the viewers are going over to that uh, person. So you're you're fighting for either love or, or fame. fame. And I was on the call with my friend and I was like, haha. What do you think if I apply to that? Like, uh -huh. wouldn't it be so funny? So I did. <laughs> 30 minutes before I started, I got brought on and I won. How did you win? I don't know. Will chose me. He thought I was interesting enough, I guess. That night, I went from 600 followers on Twitch to 15,000. Was there a moment in that time where you're like, oh wait, this could be a career thing happening? No. Not ah. at all. I was very numb to it, I think. It was yeah. all very new, it was all very weird. I think the time I realized I could make something out of it was when I went to the grocery store for the first time and I didn't have to check every label of like mm. how much I have and how much I can pay. Mm. When it came to deciding what I want to do next, I finished school, my friends are going to university. I realized if I study medicine now, I would have zero time to do content creation. And I'm enjoying it so much right now and mm -hmm. I can live off of it. So I just decided I'll do that instead. And that's when I realized this is my career now. I mean, you, you just continue to blow up exponentially month over month. Yeah. What was the next big thing? The next big thing was the Dream SMP. I went from 600 average viewers to six thousand average viewers. How did you get invited? Will and Tommy did this bit. They don't want an American woman to be in their na nation, but they wanted a woman. Uh. And then Tommy called like different people and he had my phone number and he called my phone number. He was like, you should join the Dream SMP. I was live too. I was like, oh yeah, I'm live right now. I don't have time for this. After that, I think Will found that really funny and he found, he thought like, oh, that's actually a good idea to invite Nikki. Cause uh -huh. you know, I guess I'm entertaining. <laughs> the thumbs up um, on the video say yes. <laughs> Did you think that <laughs> that your life would change in that way when you got invited to the Dream SMP? No, 
Never. I don't think any of us did because it was just a server for friends. I don't think anyone could have predicted how big it is or would have been now. What have been some of the unexpected side effects of blowing up so rapidly? So many opinions. I think people can be very, very nice. And my community is lovely. A lot of the times it is also people who dislike you for whatever reason. Um, and when they hear something that's mildly negative, they might cling to that or blow it out of proportion. I'm still very young. I started at 17. I was 18 when I blew up. You know, everyone makes mistakes, especially in that age. Everyone learns, especially in that age. But not everyone has millions of people watching and scrutinizing and judging and giving feedback on every single Exactly. Move. I like feedback. I like when people tell me, hey, this wasn't really good of you, you mm -hmm. know? But I don't like you. Am I allowed to swear? Say bitch, kind, <laughs> fuck, shit, yeah. tits. Exactly. And I think a lot of people do observe this and they kind of know what's going on, but they're like, ah, it's not really that big of a deal. How does it, you know, actually affect you? I'm a very insecure person. I try to not be and I try to play this like more confident person, but every single thing I read still gives me the, the thoughts of, what if that's true? What if I am this horrible, horrible person? I started to develop very like bad abandonment issues with my friends. Every time I see them go out without me, I feel left alone. I tell myself the reason why they went is without me is because I'm this horrible person. So you're drawing conclusions mm. and links that aren't there. Yeah. Because certain people, certain commenters are training you to think this is an issue, this is an issue with yeah. you. And then people make up rumors about me and it's, it, it makes me think maybe, you know, maybe I did these things because a lot of the times before that, I would never think it's a problem. Yeah. Um, I got bullied for my hair a lot because uh -huh. people said my hair was very um, like broken and dry and frizzy. I wanted to be a scene kid. Uh -huh. Have you ever seen a scene kid's hair? It's fucked. It's, it is. And I never saw a problem with that. No. I would be like, yeah, it's, you know, that's just how it is. And yeah. then people start telling me that it is a problem. I'm like, is it a problem? You mentioned that recently, it feels like more people are starting to become vocal about hating you. By the way, we are hosting a live stream event on this channel on July 15th. That's a Friday. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Mark it on your calendars immediately. And it's not just a live stream. It is a live stream event. And that event part is crucial because we're gonna have special, special events. events. This is just a clue. You know what that means? You will if you show up to the event. And in case you're not sold on this live stream event yet, we hired an AI artist to create some promotional material. Like this masterpiece, for example, Anthony Padilla streaming to a very excited audience member. Look how great I am at live streaming and look how excited that audience member is. That could be you. Now back to the world of Miyachu. You mentioned that recently it feels like more people are starting to become vocal about you. I think a lot of the times it is just how fast the internet moves. When I was doing content with Will, I guess kind of under the protection of Will. He likes me, so people mm. should like me. But we stopped doing things on stream because of the whole shipping thing. So um, it was a conscious choice to no longer be seen with Will? Yeah. I think a lot of the times it's also people thinking she must have done something wrong because they're not uh, friends anymore. Because you're only friends if you are publicly are. in a friendship exactly. on streams together in front of a camera. Exactly. That's real friendship. Yeah, and also like, if there's no pictures, 
how would you know that we're mm -hmm. hanging out? Like, how intense does it get for you to make a decision to change your behavior? Every second message in my chat was about him. Mm -hmm. My mods had to ban his name everywhere. Not because I didn't want to see it, but because it was getting overwhelming. I was always the Wilbur girl, you know, mm. for the longest time. And I always said, hey guys, I know Lover Host happened, but if you guys want to watch Will, go watch Will. Uh, I'm my own person. I had Pokimane on this show recently, mm -hmm. and she mentioned that she's seen it happen time and time again. When women are attached to someone else, it becomes this narrative that you are only popular because this person, you only exist in this industry because of this person. Oh yeah. That was mm. like, that was the first thing that I thought was very hard um, to hear. As much as, yes, I got big through the Lover Host, I also work very hard. Like, I streamed more, I streamed different things, I tried to engage an audience and get where I am today. Mm -hmm. um, especially now that I haven't done anything with Will in so long, I feel like I deserve credit yeah. for, for where I am today. Yeah. How did your financial situation before streaming compare to your financial situation now? I couldn't afford my rent. I couldn't afford groceries. I ate rice and soy sauce every day for half mm -hmm. a year. I know. It tastes pretty good. Yeah. It'll get you by. I'm very thankful. This has been the most stable I have been probably my entire life, which I find very interesting because from a lot of people I hear this is the most unstable I've ever been. It comes down to I have learned to keep going. When something gets ripped away from me, life goes on. It feels, I guess, empowering. Yeah. Because it feels like I kind of made the best out of my life. Do you have your view count numbers on when you're streaming? I do. Imagine a stand-up mm -hmm. and you do the stand-up and while you do it, people leave the room. People are coming in and out no. just constantly. Yeah, <laughs> I must have said something wrong because people are leaving. Yeah. I see the view count drop or like someone else goes live. I see it drop by thousands. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? Do you find yourself attaching your self-worth to these numbers? Whenever I would have a bad stream, I would feel like a failure. Did something that upset people and they will never forgive me for it. Because it's live, it's a live stream. Sometimes you say things you don't mean, sometimes you say things that are just stupid. That kind of stuff used to really, really get to me. The view countdown, you know, I came from a channel that was a constant upward trajectory and then I left at 23 million subscribers mm -hmm. and then going off to do my own thing. Even though I was aware that these numbers are not a reflection of me, it did really get to me. I was like, okay, then I guess I'm nothing without this thing yeah. that I made before. And even though I've gotten a lot better at that now, if a video does extremely well and it's, you know, on YouTube, the mm -hmm. most viewed out of my most recent 10, mm -hmm. there's a little bit more energy that I feel. Yeah. And if a video does much lower than I was expecting, I find myself, even though I'm not actively thinking about it, feeling a little bit of a difference. I think a big part of that also is the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Because even when you're doing really, really well and you're in a constant up, you always have this voice in your head telling you it's not true. And that's why I want to become a psychiatrist for content creators. Other people are going to feel the same way mm -hmm. and I want to help these people. So yeah. putting myself through this is actually going to help me in the long run. In the back of my head, I felt some comments are out there being like, Fuck content creators, they don't deserve <laughs> they, therapy. All they do is sit they, in their room. All they do is sit in their room and get money thrown at them. Anyone could do that. They chose this job. They should have oh, known yeah. when they signed if, up. If they put their face out there, we are allowed to comment on it. That's right, it's public domain <laughs> and I want to publicly shit on it. I don't even know what to say to these people. I'm just like, 
do you realize that we are not just some computer AI? We're actually people. Sorry that we we like our jobs, mm -hmm. but every you know every job brings no, no, bad no. things. You mentioned that streaming feels like an escape mm -hmm. for you. Gives you the opportunity to disconnect from the real world. And you recently did a subathon and. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp, for their continued partnership. Therapy has been really beneficial in shaping who I am today by allowing me to have empathy for my younger self and therefore get a better understanding of who I am today. But therapy can be customized, of course, to whatever is right for you and can be useful in providing tools to help with motivation or feelings of depression, anxiety, stress, insecurity, or whatever else you might need. BetterHelp has been continuing to improve throughout the years and screens all their therapists to ensure that they have experience and that they're certified and licensed. And they provide customized therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone or even speak over the phone if that's not something that you're comfortable with. And as you may have found out by now, therapy can be expensive and the price of finding a therapist that you like and that you connect with can be overwhelming, which is why BetterHelp offers a more affordable alternative to in-person therapy, where you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. And by the way, BetterHelp are giving I Spent a Day with viewers and listeners 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Padilla. That's betterhelp.com slash Padilla. But I can't go without thanking Dipsy for sponsoring this episode. Dipsy, of course, is an app full of short audio stories designed by women for women. Right, women? What they do is bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, and new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they offer written stories. So you're set no matter what you like to consume or how you like to consume these delectable morsels. And before I spend a day with viewers and listeners of the podcast, Dipsy's offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Padilla. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash P-A-D-I-L-L-A. I thought it could be a song. It was not a song. I tried. And now back to the world of Nietzsche. And you recently did a subathon. A subathon is a stream. You go live. A lot of people go live with like two hours on a timer. And this timer goes up when someone subs. And subs is subscribing on Twitch. So it encourages people basically. to be engaged. And then you are just live for the amount of the time until the timer goes up. I capped it at a week though, because it was my first one ever. And then I went for eight days instead of seven, because I just I just had so much fun. <laughs> Leading up to that, you actually went a month without streaming. I actually was dealing with my visa. I had to go back to Germany to get my passport, and it was a whole thing, and it was very anxiety-inducing. Mm. I was stressed out of my mind and then obviously i was also stressed because i haven't streamed in so long and just built up all of this the subathon was like my saving grace <laughs> there was such a positive reaction towards it and people liked it so much that for me i could finally shut off all these other emotions i could just focus on streaming mm, but but is, there's always a but. as every high there's going to be lows and those lows usually come directly afterwards so mm. the second i clicked stop streaming everything came back what was that like just just tears no i felt very numb actually i wanted to go to bed right after my subathon because i was very tired uh i couldn't sleep mm. and then i went clubbing for the first time <laughs> you decided to continue this escape from reality <laughs> yes. I go 
<laughs> Wait, you, you laid in your bed trying to sleep, and then you said, you know what, I should go clubbing. Yeah. Now I know I don't like it, uh, but it was nice in the, in the evening, I guess. The, the actual escape. events more or escape. more escape? More escape. <laughs> more escape, definitely. Finding a healthier alternative to mm. the unhealthy, many unhealthy alternatives that there are, and it being streaming is for me beneficial. I know how dangerous it can be because obviously I can overwork myself. But you're also aware, obviously, that, that overworking could affect you and it could also affect your body. I would stream for like nine hours and I would sit for nine hours. Mm. So. You mean the human body is not supposed to sit like this for nine hours? No. <laughs> That's why my back's fucked up? Yes. <laughs> it's not because I'm old? No, oh. maybe. Anyway. You don't look oh, thank you. <laughs> Have you dealt with any stalkers? Yes. Really? I actually have, yeah. That was actually really scary. I had a person follow me home once. He approached me and he says, oh, are you Nikki? Like the same thing, takes a picture. Um, I leave because that's what you do. The interaction like, is complete. And then he just kept following me and I was like, okay, this is weird. Maybe he just, he's just trying to go, you know, walk that way. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll like, take a different route because my home is very close and I don't want him to know where I live. So I take a different route, he follows me. I'm like, okay, this is getting weird. He kept following me and I was like, okay, I need to go home. I need, you know, I now I feel unsafe. I yeah. don't know where to go, but I then built up such a distance that I could open my door, lock my door, get home. And I never heard anything back again. Like they, I never saw anyone leak my address. There never was anything, so I just figured like, okay, maybe he's happy with what he got. I don't know. What's been your most bizarre fan interaction? I was out with a friend eating uh -huh. and this guy comes up to me and he's like, oh, how are you gonna get you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, hi, nice to meet you. And he goes, yeah, you're not funny. <laughs> or something like that, he would be like, you're unfunny. And then he walks away. I was just there like, what do I, what do, I do? How do I react to this? It's like a real hate commentary yes. in real life. But I have a lot of respect for him because he actually came up to me and would tell me in person. He'd be like, yeah, fair enough, you know what? Okay, cool. Did right. that sit with you? I didn't forget it. <laughs> Are you ever tempted to share more about your life? I think I already quite overshare. Like mainly, mainly with like, my emotional state but that's mainly also because i want to make people feel less alone in the mm. way they feel and i know i have a very young female dominated chat and as someone who once was a young female or maybe even still is a young female i just want to make them feel less alone and i know that there are certain things that you can't talk about to your parents because it's embarrassing or it's weird or you don't know if it's normal and i just want to make people feel less alone in that and make them realize that it's normal and you'll be fine and you're learning and growing and it's all okay so i think a lot of times i do overshare when it comes to stuff like that but i don't overshare when it comes to oh yeah guys yesterday i went to this address <laughs> another thing that a bunch of people brought up when i mentioned that i was bringing you on people are like oh what's her coming out story where was the big moment in her life where she oh. came out so i'm bisexual for the people who are wondering or pansexual i don't really care about gender and i would have girl crushes i would have boy crushes i would never tell my parents or tell anyone around me because for me it was always normal you don't have to come out as heterosexual right so i was like why would I have to come out as, you know, yeah. bisexual? And there's nothing wrong with coming out, yeah. especially when there's people who are who have the expectation of you being a certain right. sexuality. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was always, that was my sexuality. And Without ever needing to suppress it, it didn't really feel like there needed to be a big moment of release. Yeah, exactly.
what's next for Niachu? I want to start a podcast where I talk about women and women empowerment mm. and, you know, where I bring on different women and talk about, let them talk about their experience. And also something interesting for guys, maybe if they're interested in the way that women are taught, uh, are, are treated. I just want to empower women yeah. <laughs> and also and also teach people about it. There's this strange barrier where if it's for women, then it's then men cannot get attached to it if it's a discussion about anything related to being a woman. At the end of the day, what I strive for is equality. Yeah. And that takes taking the woman's side, the female side, and the male side, and every like everyone's side. And pushing towards equality because mm. there are so many things also wrong with men can't cry, men can't show emotion, mm. they have to be strong, they have to bring the money in. I want to kind of put that more into like we're all equal and we all should have the same expectations and the same abilities to achieve things mm. um, but obviously I'm a woman and I have the female experience, so I want to start with the female experience. What is it about doing what you do that brings you the most joy? Interacting with so many people, all this positive feedback, like hearing from people like, oh, you know, I was sad, but you streamed, so I feel better now. Seeing that I can help people by just doing what I'm doing mm -hmm. is always very nice, because as a child, I needed my escape, mm -hmm. and I found my escape in content creators. The fact that I can put that back is kind of like, I'm showing my young self like it's fine, like it's gonna be better and you are now that beacon <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that you needed. I spent a day with Nia Chu and one thing that really sits with me is how despite having everything ripped away from her at multiple times in her life, she's had the mindset that struggle will benefit her in the long run. Bravery isn't the absence of fear, bravery is acknowledging that the fear exists and knowing that you will be stronger for staring it in the face. There's only one thing that I will never confront myself with, and that's my fear of mirrors. You're, why, what are you afraid? You're afraid of mirrors? Terrified of mirrors. Why? It was a very viral video. Uh -huh. I saw it from one of my schoolmates. This girl, she was sitting in front of her mirror brushing her hair. Uh -huh. And then she looks into the camera. She turns uh -huh. around to the camera. Uh -huh. And her mirror looks or smiles or something at the camera. But And that terrified me. But I don't know what it is. But to this day, I cannot look into a mirror without being scared. I love horror films yeah. and I love like anything horror. Yeah. But when it when whenever they look into a mirror, I have to look away. So that's the one thing that's you're afraid of. That's the one thing I will never <laughs> confront myself with.